Hey, this is Brendan Gersall from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hey, King's Church. Uh, it's so good to, ha- to be here today. And I want to welcome you all from wherever you may be tuning in from, at one of our in-service locations in Halifax or Charlottetown or even here at the Valley Campus. And many of you who are tuning in right now with your home church, which I've heard so many incredible things about, or maybe you're just tuning in online. Wherever you are, we're just so grateful that you could be with us today. God is working at all of our locations and he's working online too. You know, I really hope that you're able to mark on your calendars a couple weeks from now. Uh, We are having a weekend here at King's Church called Heart for the House. And we are going to celebrate new life and baptisms. We're going to be celebrating what God has been doing in this season. And God has been working even in this crazy season and in this crazy time. And so uh, mark it on your calendars. Make sure you tune in on that day for that specific Sunday. It's going to be incredible. We just love to hear what God is doing in the life of our church and, and the life of our viewers as well. I'm also loving what God is doing in this series, this current series that we're in, in the book of Revelation. And if you've been tracking with us, uh, we've been taking the deep dive into this book. And I think it's been really important for us to go through this content. And one of the reasons why I think it's so important is because it just appears to be so relevant, doesn't it? Uh, I had someone recently come up to me and say, hey, why are you guys preaching through the book of Revelation? I'm like, well, because it's, it's important to us. They're like, you know, like 2020 is revelation. Why do we need to preach on it? And I don't know if 2020 is or it isn't, um, but maybe that's all the more reason why we should look into this book, why we should study it, why we should actually go to God and ask for him to reveal more of his truth to us from this great book. Because one thing I know about the book of Revelation is that it, it gives us a handle on what is going on around us. It helps us make sense of the world when the world doesn't make sense. You see, this book is supposed to bring clarity, not confusion. It's supposed to bring hope when times seem hopeless. And I just love what Pastor Brent shared with last week. If you, if you tuned in, uh, I don't know if you remember that message. It was called Signed, Sealed, and Delivered. What a hopeful message that was. If you didn't see that, you need to go back and watch that message. But he said something that really resonated with me, and I think it re- really resonated with a lot of people in our church. He said, if, if you're with Jesus, just breathe everything is going to be okay. Isn't that a phenomenal message? I know I needed to hear that. We all need to hear that. And that's what revelation offers to us. It offers hope to us. Because let's face it, life is intense. The world is intense and it's intense right now. And in such an odd way, that's what makes the book of Revelation so beautiful. Because it actually warns us and tells us that these times are going to come, that there are going to be tribulations. We've talked about some of those tribulations, that there are going to be pandemics, there's going to be greed, there's going to be fighting and division, there's going to be evil in the world. We shouldn't be surprised by any of this, but in the midst of it all, God seems to drop this counterbalance of hope. And that's what we are in in Revelation chapter 7. We are talking about hope. And I want to dive a little bit deeper on this topic of hope today. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 7 once again. The title of my message today is simply, Lest We Forget. Lest We Forget. Now before we jump in, I I want to ask you this question. What is your hope really built on? What is your hope really built on? What, What is your hope really anchored to? What is the rebar of your hope? And have you forgotten that? Now, many of you are probably pretty smart and you're looking at me and you're saying, I know the answer to that. My hope is Jesus. 
And, and the reality is, is that you're, you're absolutely right. That's always the answer in church. The answer is always Jesus. But let's go a little bit deeper. Why Jesus? Why not Muhammad? Why not some other religious figure or political figure in our world today? Why Jesus? Now, some of you might say, well, because he loves me. And that's true. But go a little bit deeper. Why does he love you? And I think we could probably do this for quite some time, maybe even for hours. I feel like some, you know, your kids, they're asking you questions. Why dad? Why dad? Why this, right? Well, Revelation 7 gets right to the heart of hope. And, and we pick it up again here in, in Revelation chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And I want to look at this. This is right in the middle of this chapter. And uh, as, you, as you recall in Revelation 7, there's this, this picture of, of people being sealed together. And, 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 and there's an elder, an angel, and, and then there's John. And they're interacting. They're having this conversation, this hopeful scene. But in Revelation chapter 7, right in the middle of the text, we get a picture of the center of our hope. And I want to look at this again. There's this exchange. There's this conversation. Verse 13 says this. Then one of the elders asked me, this is John, John receiving this message. The elder asked John, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, this is John answering. He says, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of of the lamb. Now I want to stop there for just a moment. And some of you, again, are really smart and you are already putting this message together because you've seen what I've highlighted. But I wanted to say from the very beginning that the center of our hope, what the Bible tells us the center and rebar of our hope is not just Jesus, it's the fact that Jesus bled for us. The center of our hope as Christians is in the blood of the lamb. Now, some of you, you remember way back in the day, we used to sing that song in, in church, that, that wonderful song. We used to sing, my hope is built on nothing less, but Jesus, what? Blood and righteousness. That's the center of our hope. Let me say it this way. There is no hope at all without the blood of Jesus. Like if Jesus just lived and he didn't die on the cross, he didn't shed his blood, we would be utterly hopeless today. And this is a major theme that Revelation is trying to communicate to us as we've been plodding along from Revelation 1 all the way to the very end, that this, this central figure, this Jesus, is not just some random king. He's not just some normal king. He is a king who shed his blood. He is one who has given his blood for us. And this is absolutely central, not only to the book of Revelation, this is actually central to our faith. One of the great preachers of our time, or a time gone by, I should say, Charles Spurgeon once said this about the blood of Jesus. He said, the blood of Jesus is not an arm of Christianity. It's actually the heart of it. It's the heart of our faith. It's the heart of our hope. But here's the tension I want to bring to our attention today. And that is this. Have we forgotten this? Have you forgot this? And for some of you, maybe you're, you're watching this and you're just trying to figure out what Christianity is. And you're like, I didn't know this in the first place, but I'm speaking to you today, believer. Have we forgotten that the center of our hope is the blood of Jesus? Or have we put our hope in other things? Have we put our hope in our careers? Maybe we've built it on reputation. Maybe we've even built it on our family or built it on a religion or should I dare say built it on, a, uh, on an election? like permission to rant for just a moment. Like I was just absolutely astonished 
to see so many Christians act like their hope was restored or lost even because of our recent election. Like when did our hope ever be built on a human institution? Listen, let me just set the record straight for us today. Our hope is not built on our ability to cast a ballot into a box for a candidate we love. No, no, no. Our hope as believers is in the fact that God has the ability to, to cast his son onto the earth so that he would shed his blood for our humanity that he loves. Not the other way around. That's our hope. But how often do we forget this? You see, what's so astonishing about this text is that John seems to have forgotten this. Even John, I mean, the guy that actually wrote the book of Revelation. And not only did he write the book of Revelation, this guy wrote many other writings and, and gospel writings about Jesus. In fact, he spent time with Jesus. And yet it seems as though John has had this lapse of thinking. In modern times, we call this a brain fart. You ever get those? You ever forget something so vital to your life? Like you forget your wallet or, or maybe you forget your password. I feel like I'm changing my password on my computer every single week. Maybe some of you have forgotten your kid. Now I've never forgotten my kid before, but I can speak from experience as the kid. My dad will deny this even to this day, but he forgot me one night at the public library uh, when I was a kid and the librarian even apologized and said, I have to go home now. And there I was stuck and thank goodness I'm here. I made it, but that's another story. But have you not had a brain fart before, right? And John seems to have this brain fart. I wanna show you this again in the text. Look again, this elder comes to John and he asks this question. He says, these in white robes, these people who are here in the presence of God, those who are here in worshiping God, who are they and where did they come from? Now the elder's not asking this question for his sake. He's actually asking this question for John's sake. Anyone ever use that tactic? I feel like I use this on my kids every single day. Like every day without fail, I will hear my daughter, who my youngest daughter, who's about 10 months old now, down the hallway and she'll just randomly start screaming and crying. And I know exactly what has gone on. I know that my son Jack has either hit her, he's pushed her over, he's taken something from her, he's used her body as a, as, as, as a drum or whatever. And every single day I go down and I confront them and they're both sitting next to each other. And I'm like, Jack, why is your sister crying? He's like, I'm like, did you hit her? And he's like, no, I, I don't know. I didn't do anything. Did you see what happened? No. Did you, did you, did you use your drumsticks on her? Uh, no, I don't know. You see, the thing is, is that we use that tactic sometimes. I'm not asking for me, I'm asking for him. And that's exactly what's going on here with John. John is being confronted with an ignorance that, that has, has crept into his life. It's interesting, his answer, he says, sir, you know. In other translations, John flat out says, I actually don't know. I, I seem to forgotten, I seem to forgotten what the center of my hope is. Now, some of you, maybe you've never heard this before and, and it's okay to be ignorant. It's like, I don't know what I don't know, right? But there's some of us where we should know this. This is crucial. This is center to our faith. It's so easy to get distracted though, isn't it? It's so easy to forget, especially when, when there's times when things just seem to pile one thing on top of another. And 2020 has been one of those years. Trust me, it's happened in my own life too. But if there's anything I can do for you today, I wanna to remind you 
where your hope really is. I want to remind you where our hope is really built on. And it's not on your bank account. It's not at the gym. It's not an election. It's not on your family. What the scripture tells us is that our hope is built on the blood of the lamb. In fact, it's front and center in the book of Revelation. The main character of the book of Revelation is who? You can write it in the chat. We all should know this. It's Jesus, right? And John, when he sees Jesus, how does he describe him? He says, I looked and I saw one who looked like a lamb that was slain. Like that's an incredible picture, isn't it? That, that when John sees Jesus in his glorified state, Jesus is still bearing the marks and the wounds from where his blood was shed. He can see it on his hands. He can see it on his feet. He can see the wounds on his side and he can see it on his back and in his forehead. I mean, that's an incredible thought that when you think about it, like, like think about it this way. There's coming a day and we've been preaching about this. There's coming a day where every tear will be wiped away where there's gonna be no more sickness, where there's gonna be no more corruption, where there's gonna be no more brokenness, no more destruction, no more death at all, but the blood of Jesus is actually still gonna be there. It still remains. Isn't that incredible to think about? Like our tears are gone, but the blood remains. And I was thinking about it this week, maybe our tears are gone because the blood remains. See, that's our hope that it's always gonna be visible. It's always gonna be on Jesus. It's never, and it should never be forgotten. We should never forget how beautiful the blood is. This is my first point I wanna give you today, just very simply, I just got a few points and then we're gonna be done here in just a few minutes. But lest we forget, first and foremost, lest we, for, lest we forget how precious his blood is. Lest we forget how precious his blood is. Now, Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says this. He says, For you know that it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Hear what he's saying. You were not redeemed by something like gold or silver, even though gold and silver are very, very valuable. But verse 19, he continues. He says, But with the precious blood of Christ the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. What is he saying? He's saying the blood of Jesus is precious. It's invaluable. It's priceless. And the reason it is, is because it's imperishable. It does not spoil. It does not fade. And not only that, it's eternal. It's everlasting. It has the power and, and the ability to give us eternal life. It is very, very precious. Now think about blood, just your blood and my blood for just a moment. Like blood itself is a very vital commodity, isn't it? I mean, that's why many of us are generous by going to the Red, Red Cross maybe once or twice or three times a year. And what do we do? We give our blood. Now, some of us do that and some of us don't. And some of us that don't, it's because we just pass out when we see blood. And y'all, I got to tell you, like, it's really bad for me. Like, true story, short story, but true story. I actually passed out on a pastoral visit, visiting someone who was getting their blood drawn, and I passed out. Like... <laughs> That's really bad. I'm, I'm actually asking, would you pray for me in this? Because this is a, a continual struggle. But anyways, blood is a very precious commodity. Now, why is, it, why is it important to us? Because there's this universal truth about blood. Blood equals life. 
Like when you give your blood, you're giving life to someone. Like it's a precious commodity. But here's the thing about your blood and my blood. Like when we donate our blood, we are actually giving life, but we, we might be extending one person's life maybe for another month or another year or maybe the rest of their lifetime. We don't really know. There's a lot of uncertainties around that, but we cannot keep someone alive with our blood forever. But when the Bible says that Jesus shed his blood for us, understand his blood is precious and powerful enough because it's imperishable. It's eternal. It keeps us alive forever and ever. Even though we die, we live in Christ because of the blood of Jesus. And not only that, not only does he shed his blood for one person, it is precious because it is, it is that powerful to, to to, to, to cause every single human ever to live forever and ever and ever. That's why the greatest commodity in the universe is not gold, it's not silver, it's not Bitcoin. The greatest commodity in the universe today is the blood of Jesus. You see, his blood provides life and life forever. It has the capacity for eternal life. Lest we forget this, how special it is. His blood is precious. It's precious to us. And I could go on for an entire sermon. I'd love to preach someday on why Jesus's blood is different than everybody else and why it's so important for us to understand that. But we've got to move on. So lest we forget how precious his blood is, lest we also forget how powerful his blood is. Lest we forget how powerful the blood of Jesus is. How many of you know that there is power in the blood of Jesus? Can I get an amen? Put an amen in the chat right now. If you're watching from a location, there is power in the blood of Jesus. But do you know how powerful it is? I wanna give you four very key words. Hopefully you can remember these uh, as you think about the blood and how powerful it is and what the blood actually does for you, but what it does in you. First and foremost, there is power in the blood to redeem you, to actually buy you back. Now that word redeem or redemption, it's a legal term. It, it, it basically is this idea or referencing a purchasing. At, at one time, when you redeem somebody or redeem something, you would purchase them. You would purchase a slave's freedom. And so you would, you would redeem them. And you see the Bible actually teaches that before Jesus died and bled on the cross, you and I were slaves to sin. Uh, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to death. We were captives to it. But further than that, not only were we in prison and in bondage, we also carried with us this massive debt. So we were like, we, we had debt and we were slaves at the same time. And the Bible tells us the way that we deal with sin is sin has to be dealt with by blood, by the shedding of blood. This is why in the Old Testament, God commanded his people to come to the temple like countless times of year to offer blood and sacrifices at an altar. It was a way of paying for and redeeming their lives. And just think about this for just a moment. Like if we still lived back in those days, like we, had, we would have to buy an animal. Every time I sinned, I'd have to go buy an animal. I'd have to march it all the way to Jerusalem. I'd have to go to the temple. I'd have to present it before a priest. He would then place it on the altar. He would shed its blood. And that's just for one person. Think if you had a family of 10 like just think about that for a moment, the commotion and the effort and the expense that it cost a person to redeem their life. And you had to do this all the time. 
You see, redemption is a high price. To buy you back from sin is a high price. Like we're not cheap. I hope you understand that. But the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to pay the ransom fee for every sin, for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of the entire world. In fact, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 12 tells us this. This is speaking of Jesus. He says, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, catch this, thus obtaining eternal redemption thus obtaining an eternal buyback, buying back your life. You see, the reason we don't need the temple anymore, the reason we don't need to go there is because that was a temporary fix. I was only redeemed up until the moment I sinned again. But eternal redemption, what the author of Hebrews is saying to us here in Hebrews chapter nine, is that we have been bought back forever. How incredible is that? There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power to redeem. There's also power to bring us back, to reconcile us. Uh, the idea of reconciliation. Reconciliation is to, is to, is, is to bring union or to reunionize. Uh, in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, this is what Paul writes about the blood and being reconciled by the blood. He says this, he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free of accusation. What is he saying? He's saying that the, the, the blood of Jesus doesn't just buy you back, it brings you back. It brings you back into union. It brings us back into relationship with God. The reason that these people are in, the, are in heaven's throne room and before the lamb is that they have been brought back by the blood of Jesus. That's what it means to be reconciled. Like how incredible is that? There's power in the blood of Jesus, amen. There's also power not even just to buy us back or, or to bring us back, but to bail us out. That's the idea and the thought of justification. You see, when we talk about just being justified or justification, it, it, it's actually a legal term, like in a courtroom. Like a ruling has been handed down, but the blood of Jesus renders you and I not guilty. That's what that means to be justified. We are no longer guilty of our sin. We are no longer guilty of our wrongdoing. All the evidence that has been stacked up on us, and trust me, there is a lot of evidence in my life for my sin. There's a lot of evidence in your life because of sin. But in the blood of Christ, we have been justified. We have been, uh, we have been uh, there has been a not guilty verdict on your life and my life. Like, let that resonate with you for just a moment. Doesn't that just set you free? You have been justified by the power of the blood of Jesus. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter five, verse nine. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whew. Since we have been now justified by his blood, I am no longer guilty because of his blood. How much more? shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We live a life of no guilt, no condemnation because of the power of the blood of Jesus. 
Like this is why it doesn't make sense when people don't accept Jesus. Because when you, do, when you reject Jesus, listen, like hear me on this. If you're on the fence and you're like, I don't know about this Jesus and, and I could go either way. Listen, if you reject Jesus, you are rejecting the only person who can plead you not guilty before God. You see, the moment we reject Jesus, we're basically saying to God, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, be, my own, I'm gonna be my own lawyer. I'm gonna give my own, my own fight. But the truth is, is that we can never be fully justified without the power of the blood of Jesus. I got one more word for you too. I hope this is, I hope this is landing with you today. I hope it's encouraging too. But there's power in the blood of Jesus, not just to buy you back or bring you back or bail you out, but also to build you up. This is the whole idea of being sanctified. Now, the word sanctify means to be, to be made holy. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13, I believe it says that it is he makes his people holy through his blood. That the precious blood and the powerful uh, blood of Jesus isn't just working for you. You see the first three things, being redeemed and reconciled and justified, that's what Jesus's blood does for you. But being sanctified, being built up continually, daily is what Jesus's blood does in you. So he's not just, it, like Jesus's blood didn't just work, it's still working. It's working in me. When, when, I deal with for, when I deal with forgiveness in my life, it's the blood of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus working in my life. When I, when I, when I conquer that, that fear or I conquer that substance, it's the blood of Jesus. It's still working. It didn't just work, it's still working in me. I think that's why communion is so important to us. You ever notice that when we take communion, we take the, the cup and we ingest it all the time. Why? Because it's a picture of not only what Jesus did for us, but it's God working in us still. That's the power of the blood. It's not just precious, it's powerful. And my final point today is this. We're gonna be done in just a minute here. Lest we forget, lest we forget not only how precious it is and how powerful it is, lest we forget how present it is. How present the blood is. It's available. You see, the blood never goes away. In fact, the blood has always been present. Like, I don't have time to go through this today, but if you were to go from the, from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of Re Revelation, there is this golden thread that goes all the way through scripture. And you know what it is? It's the blood. You see it when Adam and Eve are, leave, the gates of, uh, leave the gates of Eden. What's the Bible say? Because of their sin, they, they, were, they, were, they were held responsible for that. And God comes along and, he, and, and the theory is, is that God killed a lamb. He skinned it and gave them, he gave them like a covering to cover them up. Blood had to be shed in order for them to be saved. It's the same with Noah. When Noah, when the ark, when, when the ark finally settled after 40 days and 40 nights, the first thing Noah did was offer a sacrifice. He shed blood. It's a sign of a covenant. Abraham, remember the story of Abraham? He was about to kill his son, but it was a ram that God provided instead of his son. Why? Because it's a picture that, 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 that no matter what, in order for us to have life, blood had to be shed. But it's not us shedding our own blood. It's not shedding our son's blood, but there would be a substitute. There would be a ram. It's all a foreshadow to, to Jesus coming in the New Testament. And now here we are in the book of Revelation. And even in the book of Revelation, there is one who looks like a lamb that was slain, who is still seated on the throne. His blood is available, but it's also applicable. We're supposed to apply it to our lives. Just one more thing about this passage in Revelation chapter seven uh, today. 
Look at the description of what, the, what these people did with the blood. Look at verse 14. After John says, well, I don't know. I don't know how these people got here. But then look, the elder says, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. Now watch this. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. They have washed their robes. Now, let me just illustrate this. Now, some of you have probably noticed this, but there, this is a piece of soap. I've, been, I've had it up here the entire time and it smells okay. It's ivory, by the way. It's not, it's not the best kind, but it is a good kind, ivory soap. Uh, and this isn't a plug for ivory soap, but it is what it is, all right? Um, but here's the thing. It's been sitting up here. And let me just tell you something. Um, I have not gotten cleaned by this soap by just sitting next to it. Soap doesn't clean you automatically, as cool as that would be. But that's not the case, right? Like, how do you be clean? Well, you have to pick it up. You have to take it and you have to start like washing yourself. You have to apply it to you. And this is what this is showing. It's showing this picture of the people who aren't just sitting back and just knowing the truth of Jesus. They, they've actually applied it to their lives. This, this picture of washing their clothes, doing laundry in the blood of the lamb. You see, back in Jesus's day, laundry was actually done not with water. Did you know that? It was actually done by placing your garments on a rock and you'd actually like take sticks and you'd try to just, just beat them. Like you'd beat the, the, the dirt off of them and try to get it as clean as you can. Like, but the truth is, is that they were never fully clean. No matter how hard you try, you ever try doing that? Like you don't have anything to wash with and you, you, your shirt's all dirty. You've been working outside and you just kind of beat it against the rock to try to make it clean. And the truth is no matter how hard you try, it's never fully clean. And I wonder if many of us live our lives like that. Maybe we're trying to clean our own clothes you know, maybe we're trying to clean up our own lives and we've tried and, and, we, and we do what most people do in that day. We just kind of beat ourselves up, hoping that the more we beat ourselves up, that maybe someday we'll be clean. But that's not what this picture is telling us. What this picture is saying is that Jesus has already given us the cleansing solution for your life and my life by shedding his blood. And by the way, it's an all-purpose solution. It cleanses all things. But all you and I have to do is just simply reach out for it again and again and again. Because I don't know about you, but I've got stains in my life. And I've had stains on my clothes. My, my clothes have been soiled over and over again in my life. But one thing I know to be true, that the more and more that I plunge myself into, into the life of Jesus and what he's accomplished for me on the cross, the whiter and whiter my clothes get. And it's a process. By the way, white is a symbol of victory. And what I know is that the more I give myself over to the power of Jesus' blood in my life, the more, the more victory I get, the more resilient I become in his promises. Not only that, the more I want to keep doing it, the more I want to keep going back. I want to keep washing. I want to keep coming back for more and more and more because it's been made available to me. It's mine, but I have to apply it to my life. And I want to end today with just a few apocalyptic questions that I hope are practical for us today. The first one is this. Have you washed? Have you washed? How are you trying to find victory right now? You've been trying to find victory in other means, in other ways. Maybe you've been beating yourself up, like I said. Maybe you've been doing nothing at all. But how are you finding victory today? I encourage you to take your garments, to take your life and to begin to wash it in the blood of Jesus. Second one is this, have you heard? Have you heard? 
Have you heard of this Jesus? Have you heard about this King who shed his blood for you? Like who else loves you enough to be willingly able to shed their blood for you, to buy you back, to bring you back, to bail you out and to build you up? Have you heard about this Jesus? And if you haven't heard about him or you haven't received him today, I encourage you to reach out to him. It's just a simple way to say, yes, Lord, I believe, I believe you to be Lord. I believe you to be King. And I, and I want you to be in my life. I want you to wash my life today. And then finally, maybe this is for the believer out there today. Maybe it's been a long time, but have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the heart of your hope? See, our hope is not just in a Jesus. It's not just in any King. It's not in just some Caesar or some president. It is in a Jesus who shed his blood for us. They are here, John, don't forget this. Don't ever forget this. The reason they're here, the reason they've been reconciled, the reason they're present with God right now is because they have been washed in the blood of the lamb. I hope that encourages you today. I wanna pray for us and then we can, we, can, we can continue. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. I thank you for the precious gift of your son, Jesus, that you would cast your son to us on earth, that he would shed his blood for us. Lord, help us never to forget the blood of Jesus, that which was shed for us so that we might have life and life abundantly that, and, and all of life. It's not just that this is a, just a, a marker that we just stick our hat into and say, okay, I got a ticket now to heaven. No, 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 no. This is about experiencing what Jesus has done for us and in us today, right now. We can experience a life that is guilt-free. We can experience a life that is condemnation-free. We can be free and totally free in Christ today, Lord. So we reach out today and we apply the victory that we find in the blood of Jesus today. Lord, help us to be those people. Help us to be men and women with white clothing, men and women who come back to, to, to the washing machine that is the blood of Jesus that you have done for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Seth, for that amazing message. The blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Your blood saved my life. I know many of you watching, it saved your life too. It saved my marriage. I'm able to bring my kids up in a Christian home. Jesus, thank you for your saving blood. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, you can go to our pastor chat and we'll, we would love to take a time, a moment, whatever it takes to pray with you, to show you some next steps. So please go to our pastor chat. We love you so much. Have a blessed week and we'll see you next weekend.